0: It's an interesting statement, happy Memorial Day, right? Because it is, it is uh, really nice to be able to celebrate freedom and uh, the joy that comes with that. And literally, the opportunity right the second to sit here and openly talk about Jesus. And, like, we can say his name as many times as you want to, and we can worship him, and we can open up the scriptures. And uh, so, for us, it should be a moment of real gratitude, right? And so, there's this weird line we gotta man, or this weird tension we have to manage that. Uh, Jesus wasn't an American. You know that, right? And uh, so our first allegiance isn't to a country, it's to Christ himself. And so one of the complicated parts is there's been this, on one side, this real Jesus was American, Jesus loves our nation more than every other nation. When you read the scripture, like, ah, oh, that's not true. And so there's almost been this overcorrection where we don't even appreciate the, the beauty and the freedom that comes with being an American. Right? And so all of you would agree that entitlement is a really, really broken character flaw that we all have to wrestle with. And you are really quick to notice it in other people. Right? We all are. And so what I do think is really important, uh, as we talk about right now and jump right in the sermon, is that we just acknowledge our gratitude. Right? And so what's so interesting is when you see what Jesus says in Galatians, he says something so profound, or Paul says it through, uh, or Jesus says it through Paul. He says, it's for freedom. Christ to set you free right and so there's something about the ability to walk in the joy and the freedom that comes from salvation right and so today we get the opportunity because people did give their lives people did surrender themselves they sacrificed themselves for this opportunity for us and many of you have um, family members right now that are overseas and many of you have actually lost sons and daughters, dads and grandfathers, right, to, to death from a war or death from dealing with the brokenness in our world. And so just for a second, just for a second, we're going to jump right into the sermon afterwards, just for a second. I just would love for our posture to be just gratitude. Gratitude. Just gratitude, right? Just in a moment, like it's just been lost in our world and we are really good at seeing what's wrong and what's bad and missing what's good. And just a second, could we just kind of manage that tension by just thanking God for the freedom that we have? And we're going to pause and ask God that we uh, wouldn't have to memorialize more people. Seems to be really important to me. you, right? That as we do this, we're going, God, there is a Memorial Day set up to to celebrate and appreciate and value those whose lives were lost in the brokenness of our world in the military, right? And let's just ask him to protect people so that next year and the year after we don't have more people in our mind that we're having to celebrate and appreciate and mourn. So would you join me just real quick? I'm going to pray. I just ask that you wouldn't spectate now, if this is a place that you go, ah, I don't even know about this. I don't understand God. I definitely don't think he's listening, or I'm not real sure. I just showed up. I just would tell you in this moment, just for a moment, would Jesus pause and think of a few things to be grateful for? Acknowledge those things, and just a double-dog area here, right? So just say, God, if you're real, if you're real, even if you don't believe it, if you're real, then offer what you would like, that he'd protect people, that he'd bring healing, all those kind of things, and bring salvation or uh, protection from death, and then say, if you're real, God, would would you make yourself known to me today? Even if you don't believe it, right? What do you have to lose? Absolutely nothing. And you have everything to gain. Okay, so just for a second, uh, we'll pray. Oh, Jesus, um, I, I'm, I'm really mindful of uh, parents in this room right now whose uh, children are <laughs> overseas. And really mindful with parents who have lost sons and daughters and really mindful of widows who have lost husbands. And God, just pray two things. One, that you'd bring a peace that only you can bring. And two, that you would bring your protection. That the God of angel armies would send, deploy God your angels for the protection of our nation for the protection of our soldiers and for the protection of other people's soldiers and other and the wars around us god would you just usher in your kingdom god would you bring peace that only you can bring and god as we experience that peace personally would would it bring real joy uh to us and god and right now we're gonna open up your scriptures love this you tell us through isaiah that your word never returns void, meaning there's no way, there's nothing we can do at this moment to stop what your word's going to do as we read it out. There's just nothing, God. And you actually say, Isaiah, that it's just like when the rain falls down. It's going to have a return. And so, God, we praise you for the rain. Praise you for the corn that's going to grow. We just praise you for all those things. It will have a return, and so will your word today. So, God, would you would you do that, God, for the folks online or in person who are literally just said, God, if you're real, would you make yourself known, oh, Lord, would you do that? Would you just knock loudly? Would you be clear, and would we have the courage to open and invite you in? really excited about that. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So if you've been here for a while, or this is brand new to you, there's kind of two different things I just kind of want to point out, or if you've just joined us online, you usually see this big felt board, right? Some of you like it. Some of you are tired of it. And, uh so uh, it's not here today but don't celebrate if you're tired of it or don't mourn if you like it because it will be back next week promise it'll be here it'll be here in all of its glory right as we start a new series but we're wrapping up a series today called I'm in. and uh, what I just wanted to do just have a candid conversation with you in the scriptures and what I love is for 2,000 years people have been opening up these scriptures and declaring Jesus as the hero of the story and we know and just shared it with you when God's word goes out it never returns void we've been learning that the way by which it happens is we hear about it and as we hear about it we start to think about the word of Christ right uh the Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of Christ so we hear about it then we get to think about it and as we think it starts to change something and then we start to speak about it. And as we speak about it it's so 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 profound it actually is brought about and so today instead of you know using the board and all the audio visual, well it's just going to be me and the scriptures but it'll be worth your time to listen because speaks some really, really important stuff to you. So for six weeks, we've been looking at how movements are started and how Jesus started the greatest movement that 2,000 years later we are still you know, coming together right now with a billion people who are doing this on the Lord's Day today, right? Coming together to open up these scriptures and declare Jesus is the hero of the story. And so we kind of go, well, how did that get started? Jesus took these ragamuffins, 12 guys who had very little pedigree, I mean, they were broken, messy, messy, messy individuals. It took took them and invited them in and loved them well. And for about 18 months, he taught them all sorts of stuff. They were hearing about the word of Christ coming out of Christ's mouth. And then they were starting to think about it. And then about 18 months in, he takes these 12 and splits them up in pairs and he sends them out. Literally sends them out. Sends them out with nothing. No wallet, no purse, not an extra pair of shoes, not an extra cloak, nothing. And he sends them out. And he sent them out to go live in and participate in the kingdom of God. And that's really, really important. Because we've been studying this book called The Gospel of Luke, which is the biography about Jesus' life. And Luke was a doctor-turned-investigative journalist. And he goes and meets with all sorts of individuals, eyewitnesses, and reads all the documents he can to put together kind of this orderly account to to, to, to kind of capture and help us understand 2,000 years later and have certainty of the things that we have they have been taught through the scriptures and what jesus taught about in the scriptures was all about the kingdom of heaven sometimes in the scriptures and the gospels it actually shows up 92 times either as the kingdom of god or the kingdom of heaven right and this is all about what god came to do this is his big message this is all about what jesus came to do if you read Jesus' big you know greatest hit sermon on the mount he's literally going this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of god hear me now And this is what's so, so important is that you and I today, today, today can experience heaven. Not because you'll die and get beamed up somewhere. No, no, no. Jesus came to usher in the kingdom of heaven today in you. So here's the big idea, really, really important that you'll get it today. I want to read it to you. And this is what it says Joy and happiness and peace always come from hearing from God and doing what he says. Joy and happiness. And peace always comes from hearing from God and doing what he says, which is really good news because you're going to hear from God today because we're going to read his words, right? And this is why. You and I can experience joy today because the kingdom of heaven is filled with joy. Filled with joy. The kingdom of heaven is filled with joy. And so there you go. We want to experience the kingdom of heaven because all of us would like to have joy and peace and hope, and that is available to you today. And I just have some things to confess. I've not been very good at this. Like, in fact, I, I can get stuck in my head a lot, uh, just a whole bunch. Like, I love books, and um, you think I'm an extrovert. I'm not really. Believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. I recharge with just my family, right? Like, I don't go into, like, a party and go, wow, I, that was so life-giving. Like, I, I like uh, quiet in my own way and in my own time, and I love to read. Love, love, love to read. And I can spend days, if not weeks or months or years, just in my head. You give me, like, if you imagine, like, solitary confinement, I could do it, as long as I had a whiteboard and an Expo marker. (laughs) That's all I need. I'm not even kidding. Like, I just could live in my head. And so I've kind of led our church in that way, like, really, really thoughtful and You would think we should probably live in the Pacific Northwest, right? Like in the rainy and gloomy and in our head and the debate and all the books. And I love old dead guys that had beards and all the stuff they wrote, right? Just love that stuff. If I can find a book that's more than 100 years old, that's what I want to read. I just could spend all the time there, and I love academia and I love to learn and love all those things and I can just spend a lot of time in my head and so I do that I really like and I shared this with you a couple weeks ago introspection I love to look deep and I used to think that's where all the emotional intelligence came from was just searching your own heart and finding all these things and so I've kind of been like Sherlock Holmes in my own body trying to investigate and detect whatever is wrong and so I have been a pretty gloomy person and I've stood up on the stage and kind of taught cathartically right like i've just been really honest with you and going man i struggle with this it's hard for me to believe this whoa is us as we wrestle through these things and all those kind of things and many of you have asked hey something's changed a lot of you like a lot of you something's changed in you and yep something really has and um today i'm just going to share as a practitioner what's really really changed what's really, really changed, why I believe in the series I'm in, why I love reading about Jesus and what he invited us into, and what has changed is actually joy. Like, it's really in me. Like, uh, David writes it this way uh, after he just had a real broken time, and finally, I mean, he had a really messy situation where he, you know, saw a woman he liked bathing on her uh, rooftop, and he, um, goes and pursues her. She gets pregnant. They have a baby out of wedlock, and he actually sets up a way to murder her husband, like really, really broken, and he's just broken. And through some circumstances and a buddy helping him get some insight, David finally comes to a place of just deep grief. And he writes, oh, Lord, you know, he's asked to give us clean hands and a pure heart. But one of the things he says is, God, would you restore unto me the joy of, of your salvation, then I'll teach transgressors your ways. Then I'll kind of stand up. And so what's happened for me over the last six months is God has just really restored to me the joy of my salvation, just really in a way that I can't quite explain. And feels really weird because I don't want to like wave the flag of look at me. And yet, something that's really, really happened, and it has everything to do with the passage we're going to talk about today. Joy is to be had, and I wrote, if you haven't read the latest newsletter, um, a quarterly, we have a, a, a weekly newsletter, it comes out on Friday, you can get access to it by clicking the news tab on our church website, but we kind of do a quarterly one that we put stuff together. Mike and Laura would do a great job kind of compiling stuff, and I wrote kind of a, a, a short one in my opinion, only like 3,000 words this time, um, a, a short little letter, and at the beginning of it, just kind of uh, highlighted all the mess of my life, like, you know, lots of car trouble, that's cost lots and lots of money, and you know, about a month ago, uh, about a month ago, yeah, I'm still feeling like the scabs on my body, I had a really bad mountain bike accident, it was actually Eric Tether's fault, he's usually up here, and so he caused it for me, because he went faster than I did, and I tried to catch up with him, and I didn't, but I caught up with a lot of gravel all down the side. And i like, really painful. And I would have gone to the doctor and got it checked out. But just a week and a half earlier, I was being rushed in an ambulance, in the back of an ambulance, because I, I put some toxins in my body and that just paralyzed my, my extremities. I, I ate fertilizer, essentially, because I didn't wash my hands. You should do that, right? And so just looking at these things, just a lot of mess in my life. And yet I would say, so boldly and bluntly like this is the best season i've ever been in and there is nothing you could do to make that stop for me not that you'd want to there's just nothing right even yesterday i was running with briggs my my oldest we were trying to jog and um we were doing that couch to 5k where you run you walk you run you walk and um and so we got to the end, and I, Briggs like, let's sprint this last part, and I was really proud of him, so 25 minutes in, you know, we're sprinting, and all of a sudden like this deep pain comes back to my body and runs all the way down my leg, and I go, uh-oh, literally two years to the day of that yesterday, I, I was walking in Walmart, and I couldn't keep my flip-flop on, and I had no idea what was going on, and after a couple months of testing and all this stuff, I learned that I had neuropathy, and I had uh, a... a a dead nerve cell. So I couldn't lift my toes at all. So you saw me walk like a Clyde cell. I even told you last week, God healed me. Really, really cool, right? And then yesterday, it all came back. Every single bit of it. The pain, I couldn't lift my foot. And so I'm like, oh, Lord, you're good, whatever it is. But I'm going, ah, wait, wait, I thought you were going to heal me. So I don't usually do this. I send a quick message out to our, we have a prayer team. Let us pray for you, really. And so, uh, sitting and there's this chain that happens, and people started praying, and I just started icing. That was about it, and I have no idea, and uh, about two hours later, uh, my foot started working again. Just started working. Like, just working, yeah, and so... Pretty neat and I understand you're going, I'm not sure I believe that I'm going, hey, this this let me be a practitioner for just a second, right? Let me just tell you how this has worked for me. And so then I wake up this morning like I got no pain. Like I am like just nothing. And I'm going, Lord, I don't know what you're up to, but it certainly seems like you give good gifts, but that's not the good gift. The good gift is you. But you want me to. You want us to to live in the kingdom of heaven and you want us to live in it well, right? He tells us in John 10 that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came to give his life and life to the fullest. And I just had this woe as me. Paul had a thorn in the flesh I probably should have two because Paul had one you know whatever it is and just lived in this you know this pain I was actually going to grow out my hair and just keep it right over this eye so I could just feel like you know like whatever that is right just lived in this thing and the more I read the scriptures it's like that's not what God wants for us he wants us to actually have joy and so we haven't taught in the way that it has joy 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 right so we have this reflective contemplative deal and it's like no 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 we're done with that there's joy to that. i've even heard it from some of you going sometimes i just want to jump up and say amen we'll do it right do it you know it's so interesting is we can continue to try to like be cool and calm and collect and kind of just go with the flow because the culture thinks it's weird that we would be celebrating but why in the world do we care why do we care look at our culture it is so broken and it's so messy. Why do we even want to even look anything like that? There's nothing wrong with having joy. There's nothing wrong with actually believing there's a God who exists, who loves us, who meets our needs, and meets us exactly where we are, and brings, him, brings us to him, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And if that's happened in your life, that should be joyful. And here's the thing. I actually think the folks that don't believe that stuff are really interested in experiencing that stuff. Right? And so one of the great benefits that we get is we get to live in and proclaim the good news of the gospel over and over again. And so what you're going to see this week, and for the next 10 weeks in a brand new series called Better, every single week you're going to get to make a choice that's better, and it's going to be Jesus and his plan for you. And so what I'm going to challenge you to do is live fully alive enjoy, Enjoy. You can have that. You can have it today. The kingdom of God is filled with joy, and the kingdom of God is being offered to you so you can take and receive it. And it doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away. It doesn't mean everything's going to get fixed. It might. But it means, regardless, joy can be available to you today. Today. And so we're going to see where it comes from. I'm going to read it, make some observations. It won't be worth your time. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Here's what it says The 72 returned with joy see that so let me help you understand what happens. so Jesus takes some people and he sends them out in pairs of two I just told you about that right and he goes and he says go and find people of peace and declare this good news bring peace with you declare that joy is available talk about the kingdom of God hear about it think about it now it's time to speak about it and bring about it and there are going to be some people who are going to hear about this and go that's what I've been looking for No, some people go that's silly and he says just move on just move on we got work to do and joy to be had so he's going hey hey look you find a black hole wipe it off your feet and keep going you find a supernova get on in eat drink be merry with them because the kingdom of god is here now and you can enjoy it and you can celebrate it now so he takes these two sins and they come back with a lot more people and then for about six months we think uh, maybe four or six months jesus takes these 72 people And he does the same thing. He teaches, and he teaches, and he teaches. We've been teaching, and we've been teaching, and we've been teaching. Literally, we're in like week 46 of a series called the Gospel of Luke. We've been teaching for quite some time, right? Teaching, and teaching, and teaching. But then he takes those words, and he says, now it's time to put them into practice, right? hears these words of mine, Jesus, and puts them into practice as like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rains come and the storms come, that That place doesn't wash away. Why? Because they put it into practice with joy. The kingdom of heaven is available to them. So he takes these 72, and he sends them out again. And they come back. And we're just five words into this message. Five words into the scriptures. And this is a really easy thing to overlook, but we see exactly the gift that they get in it. They returned with joy. So here's what we know. Joy (laughs) isn't about having lots of stuff they didn't have anything they left everything they had joy wasn't even having about having a really nice house for however long this has been weeks if not months if not a season or two these folks have been homeless they didn't have they they didn't make any progress on their resume right they didn't they didn't add any more equity to their net worth none of those things right they literally have been homeless and they come back with joy Why? Because they experience the kingdom of God. So we can go, ah, there's something about hearing from God and then doing what he says. I will wholeheartedly challenge you on this. If you're not experiencing joy in your life, I am suspicious and pretty confident that the reason you're not experiencing joy in your life is because you are not living in the kingdom of God today. And the kingdom of God is not about acquisition, the kingdom of God is not about your progress the kingdom of god is not just about avoiding pain the kingdom of god is that you were wired in a certain way to do certain things right you you know this you know this you know this right if you and there's lots of philosophers that would argue this kind of point so let me just argue it with them if you take a fish and lay it in the middle of our parking lot it's not going to thrive right it's just not going to thrive it's actually going to die you take it and it's put in our parking lot it's going to die it's going to look for enough water maybe you can find a little puddle to sustain itself for a little bit of time but it's going to die why because the fish was not designed to live on land take that same fish throw it back in the water and what is it going to do it's going to swim and thrive right because 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 the fish was designed to live in water and so all of us live this world where we try to acquire and try to take care of things, try to do things, try to do things, and we're going, we have no joy. And I would just argue, because that's not what you're designed for. You're actually designed to live in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, you go and you serve and you care for people, and like, and even like in a secular sense. I just read an article. I want to say it's from the Harvard Business Review last week, but it might not have been there. But there's all sorts of studies on this, that they have actually been able to quantify people that are happy and why they're happy. You want to know what it is? they serve other people secularly there is real data out there to go the way that people enjoy life the best the way that they really are happy the way that they feel the most alive is actually in their service to other people it's what it is and that's just because because like a fish can't swim on land it's not meant to it was designed to live in water you and I were actually designed to serve other people. So Jesus sends them out in pairs of two. Thirty-six sets come back. And it is very important that you see this. And what they returned with was joy. Okay, so what is it we should have joy in? How do you get that? How do you hear from God and do what he says? How do you participate in the kingdom of heaven now, right? Because the kingdom of heaven is how you were designed and what you're designed for so you can be all in today and experience joy regardless of your circumstance. So return with joy saying, Lord, calling Jesus' boss, even the demons are subject to us in your name really really important I think something you can point out and I think this explains a lot in our world is there is an enemy and there is an evil one there's an enemy and there's an evil one and you don't have to be a Christian to understand that there's evil in this world and you don't have to think too long to try to figure out where it comes from and kind of shrug your shoulders and go I don't know why some people are so bad and even beyond that even the things that we try to do. We want to do good, and yet, as Paul says the very things I don't want to do, I do do. And some of you laughed because you go, oh, "He said do do, see, you're evil, that's what that is, right? Uh, I do, even the things I don't want to do, I do do, but the... See, there you are again. I can't even get past it with you guys. Man. uh, uh, But the things I don't want to do, I do do. But the things that I do want to do, I don't do. Right? There's just this thing. And you go, why is that? What is wrong with us? Why does someone walk in to their workplace with a gun or two guns or three guns and take eight, nine lives? Why do they do that? And it's like, hey, hey, I don't know why we're so broken. But we can at least acknowledge that there is real brokenness in this world. And so we go, oh, no, we can cower. That's bad. And these guys literally experienced demons. But what do they return with? Joy. It's not like it was like a, a vacation where everything ran smoothly. But this tells us is they literally encountered evil in a real way. So they return with joy because, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. If, when we live in your kingdom, when we're in your kingdom, everything is subject to to the king of the kingdom which is you so even the demons are subject and that's what jesus says really really interesting and he said to them i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven so we get a picture get a picture of what's going on in kind of the spiritual realm, and there's lots of passages about this, and tell you that our battle's not against flesh and blood. There is an enemy. There is evil, and I've been telling you this over and over again. You keep thinking there's some conspiracy theory on either side that you live on politically, and that there's a group of people in a room kind of, you know, puppeteering, and I go, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's the Illuminati doing this, right? I don't think it's Karl Marx, you know, reincarnated doing this. What I think is actually happening is Uh, there is an enemy who really is orchestrating a lot of evil. And we go, on both sides of this mess, right? All sorts of sides in this. And so, we go, Well, what do we do about that? And what we see is so beautiful here. Jesus goes, hey, that's a spiritual realm, but let me tell you what I'm seeing is I'm seeing the enemy get completely defeated. Right? So, even yesterday, all of a sudden, I thought for sure God healed me. All good, all good, all good. And then, uh, you know, a year later, to the day, almost all of a sudden, I can't move it again. Can't move it again. You can go. Yeah, that's probably just something wrong with your body. You should go see a doctor, maybe. But what if there really is an enemy? And what if he really does want to still kill and destroy our lives? Sometimes I'm saying Satan is not omnipotent and omniscient. I Means he's not everywhere. So the likelihood of that being Satan doing that to me, I mean, that sounds pretty arrogant to think that this, you know, this one demonic. Being who can be present only in one place is doing that to me because there's a lot of other messy stuff in the world. But what if there really is an evil one? What if there really is this thing? And so I started getting texts from people. Thank you, guys. I didn't respond to a single one of them yet, right? So thank you. Very kind of you on our prayer team. But what if? What if in that moment? And I'll say this confidently, but I'm being respectful of you being suspicious of it, right? What if in that moment what actually happened is When I hit hit send, and our prayer team gets on this, what if that is what actually was happening? What if that was what Jesus was actually seeing is this, and I saw Satan, I saw demonic spirits, I saw evil fall like lightning from heaven. What if in our declaration that we're going to live in the kingdom of heaven together, what if Jesus removes all the stuff that isn't in the kingdom of heaven? What if that's the case? And if it is the case, which I think it is, pretty confident it is, then that means we get to live a really good life and get to experience joy and peace and hope in the middle of this mess. Why? Because Jesus is going, look, when you live in the kingdom, when you live in the kingdom, here's what's actually happening in, in the spiritual realm. The enemy is actually falling down, meaning he is getting destroyed. He is getting knocked out, right? So there is this realm, not that everything's perfect, but in this realm, you can live with joy and peace in the kingdom of heaven today, today, today. And so, I, like, I don't know how to declare that more or convince you more, but I don't think I have to. I think in your soul and in your spirit right now, you're going, ah, oh, that's what I've been looking for. Right, even those who have been Christians for 50, 60, 70 years, right, and we've lived in this kind of frozen, chosen state. God has elected us and cared for us, and one day we'll get to experience it, but that's not today because I've got to deal with the thorns in the flesh. What if today he wants you to really, really experience this? What if today he wants you to literally go, nope, I'm all in on the kingdom. All in, I'm in. That's what Jesus says in verse 19. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. What if yesterday a bunch of people in our church took their authority and declared that the enemy had no power and that nothing can hurt us what if that's really the case what if two years later this whole story happens again just so finally I go okay God it's not just medical it's not just that my body biologically fixed itself you are actually at work you are seeing the evil one fall from heaven what if that's what we get to tap into guys what if it is what if that's what is available to us and so he continues and he says this nevertheless so important nevertheless okay you see it really really good you should get excited about this but don't rejoice in this in other words <laughs> josh your foot getting healed is not where your joy comes from because guess what it could happen again guess what you could actually you know get really sick guess what you could actually be paralyzed from the waist down guess what you could live in some torment right there's a guess what now i don't think that's the case i think i get to live in the kingdom but don't rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you which is what jesus is telling they are that the spirits evil spirits are subject to us but what should you rejoice in that your names are written in heaven now here's what we usually do here really interesting because i mean i grew up in a a pastor's son and i've always loved the scriptures really really enjoying them but i've always thought okay there's this thing that talks about place in other places old testament new testament it's called this the lamb's book of life you've heard of it probably right this kind of there is this like attendance chart um like up in heaven and one day when we die we'll go to the pearly gates and peter will welcome us in or not and uh and gosh i'm i'm really showing some restraint because i have some real funny stories that i'm going to uh, Join us on Tuesday, okay, for overtime. Um, but uh, but so then we show up, and Jesus, uh, we say, Peter, our name, hey, it's Josh. I finally made it up here. And he goes, oh, yep. Josh, what's your middle name? Joseph. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're in, right? And I go in. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm in heaven, right? That's kind of what we thought. I thought this passage meant that this means, you know, the, you know, the, the pain is going to be bad. And you're going to have thorns in your flesh, but the retirement plan's out of this world, like that kind of thing, right? Literally, and so one day I'd get there. And so a lot of times this is how we handle this passage of your name's written in heaven, so don't worry right and I would have in the past i'd have brought out some sand right i'd have brought some sand or you know the timeline that i pull out and i go and i'd pick up a piece of sand i go of all this sand here and all over the world represents eternity here's what this little bitty fleck of sand represents right now you see it this little bitty tiny sand this this represents our little blip here and see this is all eternity and then i would go see that's why it doesn't matter if things that are bad happen to you it's okay because one day you'll get in heaven Right? One day. And so heaven answers all the problems of that because it's like a blink of the eye. Our life is like a blink of an eye. You get lots and lots of blinks, but your blink here on the earth, really, really small blips. Don't worry about it. One day you'll get to heaven and it just stinks now. Right? But this isn't the heaven that Jesus is talking about. What I've been telling you over and over again, 92 times in the gospel, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven show up. And guess who's the one who speaks it the most? Jesus himself. And what he is saying what he has declared is that heaven is actually here now. It's here now. When Jesus came, he came in to usher heaven in. He literally said this, and so did John the Baptist, declaring this Repent, change the way that you think, for the kingdom of God is near. And so here's what he's saying so, so, so important. He's going, hey guys, you're the 72. I just sent you out. You saw some really neat things. So now you have some affirmation about what's going on. Hey, Josh, your foot, it works. Then you have some affirmation that I really am in charge, right? All those kind of things. But that's not what you celebrate here's what you celebrate heaven starts now and you're in heaven starts now and you're in the family they would have understood this they would have definitely understood even the names piece written down because that's how they had their citizenship right and as a jew or a roman you you wanted your citizenship because that's where you got the rights and the authority and if you didn't behave well guess what could happen your citizenship could get revoked So they would have understood the language of your name as written. That's really, really important because that means you're included. That means you're in the mix. And this is so, so important. What he's saying is you can't rejoice over those things. That's not where your joy comes from. Your joy comes from being in my family, being in my family, being in the family. So hey guys, you're in. Listen, there is nothing. I pray it every night with my kids. There is nothing you could ever do to make God love you any less. And on the flip side, it's really comforting and complicated. There's actually nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. Because you're family. You're family. We're family. Family. Right? So let's think about this. This is why community is so important. Why for 10 weeks, I'm going to challenge you to get in community. Right? Go, hey, if you need our help, help helping you find a community group, we will. But you don't need that from us. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You have people in your life that you can circle up with and start talking about Jesus. Right? We literally write discussion questions for every single sermon right so starting next week you can literally go to our community groups page and download the questions and you can just get a couple of people and start talking about this together because that's what we're celebrating the fact that you're in the family now let's think about this if god's the father jesus is the big brother who makes all this stuff happen and we're in the family what do you think god wants most from us think about it like as you're a parent what brings you the most joy if you have multiple kids you love when they're around the table for sure really important but you know what i love rarely very rarely when it happens I love when I peek out and they're playing together. Like, because I got a 12-year-old boy, almost 13. I got a 9- and 7-year-old girl. 12- and 13-year-old boys don't play with 9- and 7-year-old girls, right? And on the 9- and 7-year-old girls, they play together. But they actually have both lost a lot of hair from the pulling it out kind of thing, right? So, like, what brings me the most joy is seeing the three of them get along and love each other. Now, uh, in the middle of all this chaos, last year, I told you, um, it was actually on Mother's Day that we were we're down there, so a little bit before Mother's Day last May, um, I got a call from my mom that said, hey, your dad is in renal failure. His kidneys are done. And so I start calling my dad, trying to get in touch with him, and finally I, I get in touch with him, and, I mean, he's solid as a rock, right? Doesn't cry, just solid not a bunch of emotion, and when I, when he answered the phone, I could hear the quiver. All oh, that hurt so bad, hearing the quiver, and his words were, Josh, it's not good. Just not good, and I gotta get, they, I'm going to the emergency room right now. Now, the funny thing is, um, he wouldn't go in the ambulance, because he thought it would cost <laughs> too much money, so he drove himself. Uh, my mom is in the passenger seat, by the way. That's the chaos of the moment. He drives himself to the hospital. They rush him in, and Uh, He dies in the emergency room on the table. Dead. No pulse, no heartbeat. Two minutes. Two minutes and just dead. And then Jesus resurrects him right in the middle of this. And I'm driving down the road. We don't know. We're wondering if, uh, you know, we need to, you know, take funeral cr- clothes. Am I preaching my dad's funeral? That seems really unfair. You know, like all this kind of stuff. So wrestling through all those things. Really, really a bad moment. We get down there. He's in intensive care, but there's this massive turnaround. And literally, doctors are saying, you're a walking miracle, right? Because Jesus has authority over all that stuff. Walking miracle, really, really neat story. But he's going to have to go back in about six weeks to have, uh, you know, pretty invasive surgery with his prostate, right? And so... um we come back up, and six weeks later, we drive back down, and so we're with mom, and my siblings are there, right? And just so you know, like our siblings, I love them. We just don't spend much time together. We live in different parts of the world. We all really, really hold tightly to our immediate family, right? And so we don't spend a lot of time with each other, and um, so, uh, so we all go down there. We're staying in kind of a resort with one sister. My brother lives down there, so we're just kind of hanging out and uh, spending a lot of time together and enjoying every moment of it. My dad is literally in the hospital getting the surgery, and so we had this plan to go play basketball because we're all big, you know, basketball fans. My older sister and I both played in college, so huge deal my my nephew right now is an incredible athlete who will play somewhere Division One in football, so we just love sports, and so we're coming up with teams. I've got a couple other nephews, so coming up with teams to play this big game, 4-on-4, four 5-on-5, four, five five, and it's a big deal, shirts versus skins, right? We're going to play and all those kind of things. I mean, I'm not joking about the shirts. And anyway, I don't know why I said that. It doesn't make any sense. And so we're, we're playing, really, really big deal, and so we've scheduled this, trying to align everybody's schedule, and so the big day comes. We're going to play outside. It's 110 degrees out there, right? But as we're about to play, we find out that my dad is actually being discharged from the hospital. And we're going, what do we do? Because dad's going home. He hasn't seen any of us because he's been in the hospital. We should probably go see him. And they're going, oh, we've got to play this game already because I've talked a lot of trash and we're going to win and really important. I mean, we have all heaven to spend with dad, right? So for now, right here, we got to play. So we start playing the game. And what's so funny is my dad and my mom just come on over to the park and he hasn't been home, he hasn't been anything, and he just pulls out this camp chair, he's got all sorts of stuff all over his body, you know, he's got the catheter and the bag, I mean, it's just a mess, and he's kind of lugging it, you know, he's lost 50 pounds, he's just sitting there, and he's just sitting there watching us play basketball, you know, we're going, we will play a game or two, and we're like, hey, we should probably go, and my dad's like, no, 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 just stay, right, I would, there's no place I'd rather be, he's just literally like this feeble, you know, weak man in this moment, wants to be nowhere else than sitting out in the hot sun. Why? Because he's watching his grandchildren and his children play together. There's no greater joy. You get that, right? Like, and you know this as a parent. There's no greater joy when your siblings become best friends. Right there's no greater joy than you hearing one sibling give the toast for the other sibling, and they're sobbing in the thing, they're, you know, and then they're taking some cheap shots at them, but then sobbing again with their love. There's nothing better than that. Why? Because there's just something beautiful about family. You know this. I know this. And so all of a sudden Jesus goes, "Listen, here's what you rejoice in: we're family. So what does that mean?" That means God loves it when we get along and serve with one another and enjoy and fellowship with one another. You get this. There's this deep, significant need. That's why Jesus sends them out in pairs. You don't do this alone. He grabs the family and goes, this is what you rejoice in, your family. You see that tree? You know, I can see them, the ones that are cross-stitched with all the names. Your name is there. And guess what? This is, this is all-inclusive. The rest of your family can join in. Your grandchildren can join in, right? This beauty of He's going, this is what's so important. Your family. Verse 21, it says this In that hour, in that hour, so right now in the middle of this, Jesus is talking to them. They're pumped, they're rejoicing. He goes, Your family, right? And it says this Now we're going to see why Jesus rejoices. In that same hour, He, Jesus, rejoiced. What is He rejoicing in? The Holy Spirit. he This is what gives Jesus joy. The fact that the spirit of the Living God is at work in the people's life that He loves. What Jesus is rejoicing at in our church right now is the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, and He loves you. The Holy Spirit is at work, and what he's rejoicing is, and they're seeing it and they're knowing it. when you get confidence in that, right? no, 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 the Holy Spirit is at work, the Holy Spirit is at work. I may not see it, but I know the Holy Spirit is at work. What he's rejoicing at in my family right now is the Holy Spirit is at work in my children's lives, right? What Jesus is rejoicing at is not whether or not our budget's big or any of those kind of things or all the programs. What he's rejoicing at is his spirit being at work. So let's let his spirit work and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So he's rejoicing in the Holy Spirit, really, really important here, and he says to his dad. Why is he saying it? Right? He doesn't need to say it. God knows that. He knows that. Why? Because there's something about the power of the spoken word. There's something about speaking this, right? That's why I love that you're here. And even if you're online, there's something about singing these words, right? We're going to sing in a little while, maybe an hour or so, but let me wrap up. Singing sing in a little while. The same power that conquered the grave lived in us. It's one thing to know, but it's another thing to declare it, right? So Jesus is this. He's declaring these things. And he says, I praise you, Father. And then he says that the Holy Spirit has made himself the Spirit known to these folks to my family he's made himself known he's rejoicing that he's made himself known he says because these are like children i told you at the beginning one of my big flaws is i can get stuck in my head all the time get stuck in my head stuck in my head stuck in my head stuck in my head and i can live here for way too long you know who doesn't get stuck in their head my seven-year-old sophie she is where she is particularly if me or julia are with her She is fully present. She is fully engaged. You know what she's not thinking about? I've shared this with you. She's not thinking about who's going to pay the mortgage. She's not thinking about what our 401k or 503b looks like. She's not worried about what's going to happen for her tuition. Right? She's not worried about those things. She's not worried whether or not she gets a yearbook or whether or not mom and dad are going to buy it. Or she's not worried about whether or not she's going to make it to school the next day. None of that's in her head. You know why? Because she's a child. And what she does is she's fully present, and she finds a way to play in that moment. And so what Jesus is saying here is, God, I rejoice that you have found people who don't live in their head and don't spend all their time making excuses that people are going, I am in, I'm leaning in. Holy Spirit, do what you want. I'm going to find you where you are. Notice this. It says childlike, not childish. And this is really important because there are some things we've got to grow up on. Right? There's a responsibility we have to lean into the kingdom as, as men and women. Right? There's, there's some responsibilities. But there's something about not getting stuck in your head and instead enjoying the joy that comes with the Spirit now. And you go, well, I'm not sure exactly how does the Holy Spirit work. And I'm like, I don't know. The same way Sophie doesn't know how we're going to pay the mortgage or what our checking account balances are. Right? It doesn't mean there's not a reason. It just means it's not something Sophie has to be concerned with. Right? I don't understand how the Holy Spirit works. is really, really complicated. I just know that Jesus is going to rejoice that the Spirit's at work. And his, our job is to let the Spirit at work, work in us and work through us. So he rejoices in these things. And then he says this, verse 22. All these things have been handed over to me by the Father. By my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father. Or who the Father is except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him really, really important, very important piece of scripture. And this isn't, remember I told you last week, Andy Stanley he says uh, two weeks ago, uh, do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference, right? This would be a really cute one to make a point on, really good t-shirt about how people know who God is. But he says a couple of things that are, really are important for us to understand, right? The first one is he says, Jesus has been given all the authority, all things, all responsibility, all power has been handed over to Jesus by who? God the Father, God the God that everybody's trying to figure out if there's that guy if he exists this is the father right and this is so profound because it's very rare to see any worldview refer to God as a father right that's pretty profound in itself but then he says this and no one knows who the son is except the father so hey you got Jesus Jesus is here and they're going hey we don't we aren't confusing Jesus goes hey the father's giving me authority but here's the thing it's probably confusing about who I am because I'm the son of the father and no one knows him or who the father is except the son Watch this. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So he's going, Hey, you got God the Father. God the Father sends his son with all the authority to go and bring back. Big brother comes back and brings back his children. It's the exact opposite of the prodigal son story. Big brother goes and brings back his children, right? So God the Father sends God the Son, Jesus, to come bring back his children. And what he's saying is, no one knows God the Father except for Jesus and whoever Jesus decides to include. Whoever goes, Hey, hey, your family. That's all of you. He's inviting you into the family. If in this moment you can go, I get it, that's it he's going oh praise you jesus praise you holy spirit that you can you can reveal yourself in that way and these folks who this has been hidden for is now no longer hidden right so he goes hey god the father makes himself known to god the son jesus and jesus gets to decide who he wants to know about him and he's going hey i want you to know josh tell them that i want them to be in the family right tell them right and so jesus but here's what's really really important that this seems to indicate that all worldviews don't worship this God. Really, really important. Like, it's not like us and Islam or Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or whatever. We all don't worship the same God because the only way you know God is through Jesus as Lord and Savior. So you can't go, ah, Jesus is a nice guy, Jesus is cool, Jesus is a good prophet. No, 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 Jesus is God. And there, there are many ways to discover Jesus right? Maybe today in a church you're going to discover him. Maybe you're driving on the road and like Paul, you're going to have this experience, right? Maybe you're listening to the radio. Or maybe you've opened up the book of Romans and you're going to experience Jesus. There's many ways to come to Jesus, many ways, but there is only one way to get to God, right? And this is really, really important because if Jesus is just a good guy then God decides to murder Jesus and there's other ways to get to God, that seems really, really important broken and messy and he doesn't seem like a very good father so jesus is going god the father makes himself known to me and he gives me power and authority to make myself known to the world right and so we know god through jesus and then he continues and he says this then turning to the disciples he said privately this is so interesting so he's made this declaration and, and he pulls him he says blessed the word literally means happy so the same thing happy happy blessed are those are the eyes and see what you see. So, you know what this world's like. For 2,000 years, 6,000 years, 10,000 years, whatever number you want to put on humanity. It's always been this way. Right? There's, I mean, many ways. So much of our country was founded because of this search for, like, definitely down south Florida, like, for the fountain of youth. Right? We're all trying to figure out how to stay younger, longer. Right? Extend our life more. We're all trying to figure out how to have more money and more things and collect, 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 move up the ladder, have more money in our savings account, you know, have more prestige, more fame, more power. We're all trying to sort through this thing to try to figure out how in the world do we get the most out of this life. Right? How do we how do we do this? And Jesus going, Here's what's really neat, guys. Blessed are those who see what you see. You see, there's a lot of people lo- searching. There's a lot of people looking for stuff, but they haven't seen this. You see, there's a lot of people, right? And This is how uh, uh, Chesterton says it, and I share this with you. G.K. Chesterton says it this way. Every man who knocks on a door of a brothel is looking for God. You see, every time people search for pleasure, they're trying to figure out what brings joy. Every time people are trying to do whatever it is, n- next house, next spouse, next kid, what is the thing that will finally bring me joy? And he pulls the disciples aside and goes, hey, you're really blessed and lucky here guys you're you're blessed because god has made himself known you see you get to have joy you get to walk in joy because jesus decided to make this news known to you that his kingdom is available to you now now and what it says in the psalms it says better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere you get that now you get joy now. You get to live in the kingdom now. And all you can do is lean in and go, God, I believe your kingdom is real. And I believe you're Lord. And I believe you paid a price to allow me in. You get the kingdom now. Verse 24, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see. See that? Many desired to see what you see. Everybody's been looking for this and did not see it. Didn't see it. And to hear what you hear. You see this that. Everybody's looking for this. Everybody's looking. Everybody's trying to figure out what their identity is. And now there's all this identity fight. This is who I am. I've searched my truth. And now I want to go fulfill my pleasure. And he's going, look, there are people, every time you interact with someone, they are searching for this, but they have not heard it and they have not seen it. But you have to hear what you hear and did not hear it you see what's interesting is uh, you hear things like comparison is the thief of joy. So I was like, ah, oh, you don't really want to compare all that kind of stuff, but there is something I just want to kind of go, hey, this is something we really got to think about and look at, like when you look at the pain and sorrow of this world and then you see the peace that comes with trusting God no matter what. That is a comparison. And that is something you go, man, I can have joy now there is nothing that can keep you from the kingdom of god except for yourself you hear me the only thing keeping you from the kingdom of god is you you this is what's so profound so i told you gk uh, that says the man who knocks on the door of the brothel is looking for god and here's what's so profound people are knocking on all sorts of doors you know it we are all knocking on doors knocking trying to see is this it is this it? it's kind of like that old book that says are you my mother and this little bird walking around asking cranes if it's your mother right is this it is this it? and this is what is so profound jesus goes stop knocking on the doors just open the door of your heart see this is what's so crazy is jesus actually comes and he knocks on the door and he brings all this with him he brings hope he brings peace and he brings joy like he is just loaded down with the good gifts to give you in his kingdom so it's not like you've got to go searching for it he is available the only thing keeping you from experiencing it is you right and so jesus says faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of christ it is available to you and jesus says it this way in revelation 3 he says behold i stand at the door and knock and if anyone i answer watch this i will come and i'll dine with him just going you want to end Just acknowledge it, and blessed are you for finally getting this. You want joy? Receive it. And blessed are you for finally hearing this. You want family? Your name's in the book. Lean in, and blessed are you for participating in it. Hear me. This week is a week meant for every single one of you to live in the greatest joy that you've ever experienced in your life. Through the Holy Spirit, for the glory of God forever. And all it requires is you to take one tiny step of just opening the door and going, God, I am going to receive you, Jesus, in all of your glory in every part of me. Would you lead me? And this isn't just pray the prayer, you get saved. It's all of us walking every day, inviting Jesus back into the center of our life. Jesus tells us this in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. They'll take care of themselves. But it says in an old hymn, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and all the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. So what you've seen in me is the work of the Holy Spirit coming in, giving me absolute freedom, absolute salvation, freeing me of all my debt and all my enslavement, and allowing me to get up every single day and participate in the kingdom of God, and I want that. So bad for you. So, I told you how this series started and what we've been thinking about is the way that it works, and the bands will come up and we're going to declare this together. The way that you see it throughout the scriptures is it starts with hearing about it, right? Faith comes from hearing, hearing comes from the word of Christ. So, you've now heard it. And for just a second, I'm going to let you pause and think about this. Think about it. I want you just to think for just a second. Just think, just think, God, is this true? Is this real? Is your spirit real? And all the answers to that question are yes, yes yes 100 percent. yes god is this true yes is your holy spirit available in me yes can you really free me yes is there really joy to be had yes i want you to think about it think about it and then it's really really neat as we get to finish this same way that jesus proclaimed god thank you father for your spirit we get to speak about it in community as a family All right i don't know if you ever did this but um my grandmother loved singing and we'd go to these like christmas singing things with our family right and my parents would tell me ahead of time you sing every word you better sing every word when they start playing that piano you start singing right Josh, sing and i can't sing well but i can remember i can literally remember sitting in a living room with like all my family and someone playing the piano and we were singing we were singing why because that's what my grandmother loved. she loved the family to sing together and i'm going i think that's what god the father loves too so you may sing really bad (laughs) he doesn't care You're in the family. You're in the family. So we're going to think about it. Then we're going to speak about it. We're going to declare that the same power that conquered the grave lives in us. And as we start to speak about it, it's going to be brought about in our life. So for just a second, would you pause? Just think about this. Think about whether or not it's true. Think about it. This is the God of the universe that you've been searching for and who decided to come and knock on your door and not just usher in salvation for some faraway eternity, but usher in the kingdom to you today. And so would you just pause for just a second? Jesus, in my own spirit, I'm hearing your spirit say, like, just that resounding, with a megaphone, yes. Yes, Josh, the kingdom is present. Yes, Josh, I brought healing into your life. Yes, Josh, I'm bringing restoration and renewal and revival into your church into the, the kingdom and your community. Yes, yes, Josh. Yes, the spirit's are available to you. Yes, that same power that conquered the grave is in you. And so, God, would that yes just be amplified in our souls as we make this Declaration today, God, and some of us do it with some timidity. And so, God, I pray that as we continue to say these words, that you would bring resolve into us as we make this declaration, and we leave here knowing it's true, when we leave here knowing that your spirit is available, and we leave here knowing that you're rejoicing, that your spirit has made you and God the Father known to us. And so, God, we hear your yes and amen. And so, God, we... And to please you as a church, as a family, as brothers and sisters of the gospel now as we declare this goodness to you, for you, on behalf of you. Right now, pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing?
1: Our joy, nevertheless our joy is found in the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. And Satan wants nothing more than to steal your joy this week. So this week I pray, would you pray with me, Jesus, that we would go out of here with the reminder that while we have all authority and we need to use it this week, that our joy is found in you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, Amen. We will see you next week. Have a great week.